3: Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and it is my absolute delight to be joined today by Jerry Taylor. Welcome back. It's Monday afternoon, Jerry. Loads to look forward to, loads to look back on as well. It's been uh, quite the week, hasn't it? It certainly has. Good to be back, mate. I've missed you. So you've had some job in your hands with the two 6-0s back-to-back. That's, it's been such a... It's the ups and downs, like you know. I've already banned the saying "an emotional roller coaster," so we're not allowed to say that on Axon, and we're not allowed to describe footballers as Rolls Royces. That's the two things we cannot do yeah. on Axon. Right. What about
2: project player? Is that going as well? Are we we that?
3: A new term. We need a new term for project player. Also, Jerry. But um, yeah, last week was tough. It was tough because we've gone into the game. <clears throat> And I felt that we were going into the game having made progress in the Champions League. If you want to look at game by game, Feyenoord written off because we had the two sending-offs. Lazio, what might have been. And then Atletico Madrid, we showed so much promise. At the time, we said it was the best performance of the season, bar none. I would probably stick by that uh, when you judge the actual quality of the opponents. And then the disappointment of the 6-0. There are elements of that conversation, I'm sure, that will creep into us talking about the Aberdeen game. But what a reversal. If you're going to try and lift your team up and go for a response, you go and you do it the way Brennan Rogers did it yesterday, Jerry. It was sensational.
2: Yeah. Do you know something? I'll be honest. Going into that game yesterday, I wasn't, I wasn't sure. Because we've not seen, like, what's the recovery power of this team this season? And to get over something like that and to come back, Do you know the best word? I've not heard this in a while. My Papa used to say it. So after the Athletical game, someone went, we get thumped, right? I love that word, thumped. And then we thumped Aberdeen. So it could have been, we could have fallen apart yesterday. Mentality-wise, that was an easy one to let it get into your head because that was a thumping that we took. But it's filled me full of confidence again. And it has been, right, I'm not allowed to use that one. Let me see. It has been uh, an exciting
3: journey. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> you were going to say rollercoaster, weren't you? I oh, was. Yep. <laughs> it's but, been an exciting journey, but the word thump reminds me of the Beano magazine. It was like the kind of word oh. that you would use in the Beano or the Dandy, a, a good thumping. The, the thing for me, Jerry, when I look at the, the result yesterday, we we're going to focus on the positives from yesterday, we're we're also going to focus on what happened with Kyogo because I think that opens up a wider discussion around um, how we are operating within a Scottish game that not only does it have a ceiling in terms of how big you can become um, and the type of players you can attract to this particular game, I think there are massive unresolved issues within Scottish football. Uh, And, you know, this it's full of nuances. I mean, this particular... Incident in isolation, you cannot say this is due to X, Y, or Z that exists within Scottish football, but as part of a collection of issues that exist, particularly with the officialdom of the Scottish game, Jerry. It is Good work, and, Good work. I search for these words when you're on because oh. I know you're a wordsmith, and you know I'm looking at these things that will always hold Celtic back, and some are, are deliberate, and I don't, I don't mind saying it, right? So. What you've got you've got a situation there where we um we've got one of the worst one of the worst most dangerous uh, I was going to say tackles it wasn't a tackle it was it was virtually an assault on a Celtic player and it was it was horrific and you you then think about the consequences of head injuries and in sport in general um but you also look at you know some of the the work that's been done um by charities as we speak for retired footballers, and a lot of the time, Jerry, that has just been a career ahead in footballs um, far too many times, and then it has affected them later in life. And one of our ex-players, Chris Sutton, lost his father um, recently, and he's been speaking up and speaking out about the FA and how they have failed ex-players, et cetera. So whenever there's a head injury, it has to be dealt with. Immediately, obviously, the concussion side of things, Jerry. But whoever's caused it, if there is a cause of that, they need to be dealt with. And we're watching that game yesterday, and it was after the event where you're watching re- replay after replay after replay. It is sickening. I mean, at the time, you know, when there's a bad injury in a football park, what you what you often get is the cameras don't obviously focus on the player but what you do see is the reaction of the players who are around about him. And I was looking at Matt O'Reilly and I was instantly thinking, something's badly wrong here. Just his reaction, trying to get the the medics on the part, ASAP. And then, Kyogo has come out and spoken about the fact he was completely concussed. Now, there's going to be loads of people on uh, listening to this who, uh, that's never happened to you. It's one of the most bizarre scenarios ever. Jerry. has it ever happened to you? Concussion three times, can you tell? (laughs) I've been (laughs) concussed. (laughs) <laughs> I've been concussed
2: three times once uh, I was out I was doing a proper run weighted run and I fell over and my backpacks come over hit my head and smashed my head off a curb <laughs> so explains a lot though doesn't it <laughs> explains a lot but it's do you know did what you it's, go to the doctor after that or just leave it? it Right. so the next day I went to play five a side football and I was really excited to play and I started getting a banging headache mm-hmm. and I had to come off and then I was like, I forgot about it. And then the next day I got excited about something else. I don't know what it was, but I got a sore head because of excitement and adrenaline. So I was going yeah. to the doctor. Anytime I get excited about something and they're like, you've got concussion, something to do with adrenaline. So I'd had that. And then a couple of other times, once when I was sparring with someone, um, boxing training. And then
3: I think another one was a night out. So, yeah, it's, it's horrible. It's, it's the is horrific. It is horrific, Jerry one time uh, playing football happened to me and the worst thing ever, I came home went to sleep, which is a big no-no. Yeah, and I you could that. feel the pounding of the head. It was like a heartbeat in your in your head. And the thing with that is, uh, that's happened to Kio. He's come out and spoken about it. He cannot remember the aftermath. He can't remember the sympathy and, and the concern around his teammates. But we, we move further than that. So obviously we are concerned that our player, any player, that that happens to it's a sickening thing to see. Then you look at how it's treated, how it's actually treated, Jerry, and not in the spur of the moment. What we have now is this incredible thing called video assistant referee, where the thing is captured. You can go and view it. You have somebody sitting in a room who's giving you an update as to the legalities of the challenge and in inverted comments or otherwise. And it's thought after reviewing that that the Aberdeen player deserved a yellow card, a booking, right. And I'm looking at it thinking to myself, now, the game, the ball's burst. The ball's burst now. Uh, if it hadn't been already for a long, long time, and you can get into all the other um, situations that uh, have been spoken about on Axon since we started. But, you know, this season has been the first season where VAR has started the campaign off. Obviously, it was introduced midway through last, last season. And it's been an absolute shambles. And, and what it's actually done is it's highlighted um just how bad our refereeing is, but also the fact that certain decisions go one team's way in Scotland. And I'm looking at that that particular um that particular incident, Jerry, and I'm thinking it's gone too far because this is the health of a Celtic player. Now it could have been the health of any footballer. How are we protecting them when we're allowing the player who was responsible for it to get a book in, smirk at the Celtic fans who are booing them, etc. How are we allowing this to go on as a football club, Jerry? Is it's an something, Yeah, something's got to give. And it's like the, the straw that broke the camel's back is when it's a player in danger. And you think to yourself, right, see all that other stuff, Tav Penn, penalty Rangers, Rangers bingo, uh, penalty bingo and all that. It's actually turned all, almost into tongue-in-cheek because everybody's just sitting there accepting it. Scottish football accepts that, oh, by the way, the game's rigged, we all know that. Uh, because obviously, what happened back in the day that resulted in a, a particular club going bust, we know what happened. Side letters, ignored. Everybody knew about it, and the the authority of Scottish football. And it's almost as if you know. Sometimes when you say the words out loud, Jerry, you can hardly believe that we lived through that. A rigged game for all those years. So now we're looking at the health of a Celtic player, and I think it's time. To get that conversation on the table, Celtic Football Club need to do something about the game that we're actually operating in, um, whilst we're still operating in it, Jerry, and I think the weekend, for certainly for me, I was thinking, you know what, that could have been so much worse for Kyogo or if, any of our players, where's the protection? Somebody in VAR said that was all right, it's fine, just book them. Ridiculous.
2: It's It was ludicrous. Now, obviously, I, I was away rehearsing all day yesterday, so... I knew that Kyogo was okay by the time I'd watched the game. When I say okay, I knew that he'd come through it and it wasn't serious, serious. But I can see why when watching that game with Matt O'Reilly's reaction, the way he's hit, the way he faced plants
3: is horrific. Oh, I know. That was the oh, wow, army. No, no arms. The the he's instant done. reaction is get your arms down to protect your face. No. Mate, he's totally Black. running chicken. He's he's just down.
2: And but what gets me is right, so. You're saying it's a yellow card, which means it's an intentional foul. If there's no yellow card, then Vars saying, look, this was an accident. It's a clash. There's no, it's either an accident, or a clash or that's a straight red. There's, there's absolutely no in between. And and we all know what the outcome should have been. It was absolutely horrific. And it even seemed to me with the Rev, I I'm be reading too much. It, it kind of backed off. I know he to back off like the medics come in. There didn't look like too much urgency coming from the ref compared to Matt O'Reilly that we're doing. He's instantly seen. I just, it was horrible to see, and especially, especially to any player, but weakly
3: Ogo, you know? It just, it's hard to watch. He doesn't even remember leaving the pitch. No. No, and I was speaking about it this morning. I was up at Celtic Park this morning for a wander around paradise. Uh, more to come on that wonder. That's that wonder's gonna get longer thanks to Jerry Taylor, but we'll come back to that on a future episode. Um yes. and I was speaking about the 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 incident and, and you know also the fact that in terms of Scottish football, what we've got as a situation, and this is where I was talking earlier about how the Tuesday night game is going to filter into some of the conversations and how people react to certain things, right? I've not seen the kind of uproar um, to the poor level of decision-making in our game, Jerry. that, you know, that I've seen the uproar in relation to Poppygate because Celtic fans uh, were booing the the minute silence for, you know, and you think to yourself, wait a minute. You're focusing on the same things to hit Celtic with a stick. You're focusing on the Green Brigade. You're focusing on the fact that we, as a fan base, largely and the Green Brigade, obviously as a fan base, have been supporting Palestine and their plight and the oppression against them. Let's focus on that. Let's not focus on all this other issue that that is ongoing in Scottish football. Chris Boyd paid. He's actually paid to give his his opinion, and he he basically on that platform, Jerry states that Aberdeen lied to Rangers. And and he was laughed at by everybody else in the studio. He was laughed at by everybody else in the studio. That is the level of media coverage we've got. We've got Hugh Keevan saying, I'll be surprised that Brendan Rogers is at Celtic next week. Now, I expect that from all these clowns down south who don't know um, the the size, the ability, the the traditions of Celtic Football Club when it comes to a European platform yet they've bought their way in through backing from, you know, states. There's state-owned clubs. Um, there's, you know, people, you go back, Man City's a classic example. Man City was a, were an absolute rancid club. They were rotten, absolutely garbage, until the Sky money came in, until the takeover happened. So didn't he tell me about uh, the fact Celtic shouldn't be playing in the Champions League? We're there on merit. And I expect it from outside our own shores, Jerry. But some of the, the output on, on mainstream media platforms over the last couple of weeks has been laughable. Yeah. Any chance they can get,
2: and it's like there's nothing really they can get us for because we're doing so well at times. But any chance they get in the Champions League, that's it. Boom. When we were doing so well, they weren't as hyper about that, really. But as soon as you don't do well, but I'll tell you something, 6 is tough to take, but
3: I don't know. If I've I've not spoken to you since this one, have I? Have I been no, on? No, not on Axon. Not on Axon. Obviously, not an we, we um, like a voice note back and forth. We love a wee Jerry. voice note.
2: Don't we? we love a wee voice note because I don't sleep very well. I don't know about you, but you seem to be up at about the same times as me. I'm a nightmare. You morning? So um, <laughs> it's only half two, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Go my
3: bed <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, but but you're right, the six nothing thumping, as we're calling it today, was hard to take, Jerry. What you don't want is you don't want people within the Scottish media, right, fueling the fire, fueling the flames that oh, by the way, the Scottish Champions shouldn't be in a Champions League. How many of them have called out the poor implementation of VAR, the poor standing of refereeing, the anomaly you know, the anomaly that exists when it comes to penalties for and against Rangers is no longer funny. Who's calling it out? Who is calling it out, Jerry? Because it, it creates a situation that we've already got a game that is viewed as tin pot, tin pot league. My granny would score 40 up there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the, the Scottish game has got so much to offer. You know, when you think about the the level of support for Scottish football, the attendances. Uh, when you look at the, the population of this country, it is punching way above its weight, way above it. And then you've got people who are paid to actually give their opinion on the Scottish game and who've been involved in Scottish football for this length of time. They won't call out what happened to Kyogo. They won't call out the propensity for a referee to give Rangers a penalty and not give a penalty against them. It's it's not even funny any longer. So for me, they're, they're conning themselves a living by not calling out their big issues in Scottish football. Yet, you've got a guy like Chris Boyd saying that Aberdeen lied down to Rangers. If I was in any way, shape or form involved with Aberdeen Football Club, I would be making a complaint to his paymasters on that one because you're actually saying that we are cheating. Where's the irony in that? An ex-Jer from that period saying that somebody else in Scottish football is cheating, Jerry. I'm, I'm at the end of my teller weight. I think the club need to step up. You know, all the focus has been on the Green Brigade, banning the Green Brigade, couple of bears running on the park, booing during a minute silence. You know what? There's bigger issues in Scottish football, and nobody's tackling them.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. 18
2: plus. Ah, exactly. Is I don't know if this is a good thing. Is it the emperor's new clothes? It's like just nobody's mentioning it at all. Just letting them do it. No, nobody's. Do you know what it's needed? Like I, I, I think Celtic need a better statement out to kind of challenge this. I think they're scared to. Whoever writes the Green Brigade statements, they're like a work of art. I'm telling you, like they're so powerful. The statements get them, get them to put something out and get some traction because it needs to. We've been calling it out for years, and even Rangers fans now are making jokes that you know it's that preposterous. <laughs> it
3: is preposterous, and what they say. Oh, but you win all these trophies, yes, in spite of all of these challenges. And we're still more exactly. That, Aye. If we were winning,
2: we weren't winning. That's so great. We're winning, but we're still trying to point this out. And it's like mm-hmm. we need to come together in these things as well. Something special with the plastic pitches, because they will be like if they win on an arc, they're fine, they're fine. But as soon as they lose on another it, it, bad, we need to, all that kind of stuff. Sometimes we need to come together, not come together, but
3: you know what I mean. The the thing is, anyone who's watched Axon for a while may have watched the interview I did with John Barnes, right? And the crux of that, we did. Speak about his time at Celtic, but he wanted to focus on unconscious bias when it came to the way, obviously, people are treated depending on their race, religion, sex, etc. And it's a bias that exists in your mind and it could be learned, that could be indoctrinated, and you treat that individual in a certain way based on the bias. It was a very uh, blow by blow uh, conversation, let's just say, Jerry, because. Uh, we didn't agree on a lot of things, but at the end of it, I'm sure John went away and thought about a few things and still disagreed with me. And I went away <laughs> and thought about a few things that John said. Uh, and it, was, it was one of the, What was that, jenny I still disagreed yeah, with him. Yeah, well, a lot of it. But it was a worthwhile conversation. And what where I'm going with, with that is with regards to unconscious bias. We said it before. If I'm refereeing a game involving Celtic or that will affect Celtic, Right, and I've supported the club since the day I was born, I've got a bias for Celtic. I'm admitting it. I'm a Celtic fan. Of course I have. So I shouldn't be allowed to referee these games. And there's a culture within Scottish football where the vast majority of the officials are Rangers fans. Simple as that, right? And then there's this culture whereby if you buck that trend, you become the enemy. You're You're the black sheep. You become the enemy. And you won't exist. You will not have a job within that fraternity. And that's something that, you know what, has gone so far down the line, right? And if the way to break that cycle is to say, the officiating is not good enough, we need full-time referees, we need better version of our, scrap it, tear it up, start again, and build a new culture within Scottish football. That that would be a, a start for me. What else would explain somebody watching that on every angle possible, Jerry, at the weekend, and Kyogo getting absolutely clattered, knocking him right out, dangerous, dangerous, you know, uh, tackle on it on a football field, and just think that's a booking because, as you say, they are accepting he's done wrong. Therefore, I'm going to book him. Well, if he's done wrong, I mean, come on, look he's at like the that. severity, look at the danger you're putting that player into. I know I'm on a bit of a rant this morning on this one, Jerry. But I like, you, the man. Fear, I like it. It's the safety of your player. Yep. And I see it as, as, as a moment in time that you think, right, see all that other stuff. People will call us moon howlers, conspiracists and all that, right? No, this, this is in clear sight now. I mean, I've seen the first uh, penalty that Rangers were awarded against Livingston at the weekend. I mean, it is now beyond laughable. It's beyond yep. laughable. Nowhere on the planet is that a penalty, except for in Scotland during a game involving Rangers and that I mean we've got a game that we're trying to sell we're trying to promote we're trying to get broadcasting and sponsorship etc in and it, we're, we're actually we're creating a situation where it is so amateurish Jerry, that the, these things are st- every single day going viral and people going Scottish football what a laugh that is
2: exactly we've not got fans coming into the stadium because of this whole ticket allocation thing that's been kicking off we've got the VAR stuff it's, it is a joke and it's, it's detrimental to our game we're trying to grow it we're going backwards, we are genuinely going backwards. I'm oh, puffed out with it all, mate. At least Celtic's doing well, don't me, eh?
3: Because if, well,
2: uh, be, if it was top, for Celtic, I'd be, I'd be golfing
3: or something. Oh, or playing. You no, know, was- got clattered. He was thumped. Um, at the weekend, and he was forced to come off. So we'll talk a wee bit about um, him, some of the individual performances, the way that Brendan Rodgers was able to regroup a team. You mentioned earlier on about the mental kind of state of a footballer. And uh, I think as a fan in the public, in the modern game, you look at them, they're rich, they're this, they're that. You think they can flick a switch and start to perform. Doesn't it quite work like that? So on the back of a 6-0 hammering, there's a lot of work to be done, and I, I, I watched with interest the press conference that you yourself were at. Um, tell us a wee bit about that. You spoke to Cameron Carter-Vickers, and you spoke to Brendan Rogers.
2: I did, mate, thanks to yourself. So got a phone call to head to Lennox Town, so I'm not going to lie, I was slightly nervous, mate. I walked in, and I, there was no other fan media that I could see. It was just all the press. So I'm just sat there, just me, and they must have been like, was this guy, but Anna Sanmar, he was lovely. He came up and spoke to me and made me feel quite welcoming. And then Cameron, I didn't realise one of the players was coming in. So at first I was told it was maybe going to be Greg Taylor, but it was big Cameron Carter-Vickers. So he's came in. I'm literally there. It's so close to them. So the guy's been like that, so when I walked in, he, the guy that was in the press room had recognised me from interviewing Sydney and France. So he's like, just come in and go and sit at the front. So I'm sat there like a new boy at the school. And uh, Carter Vickers, you can see the, the press conference online. However, when the cameras stopped and uh, we had to wait 15 minutes for Brendan, so once Cameron Carter Vickers stopped, he's just sat there and everyone's leaving. So I've just kind of leaned forward and went, what a tough one to take, eh, big man? And he's just went, oh, honestly, he says, I'm telling you, he says, it's fine margins. He says, it's, don't just go by that result. He says, we're working hard and we really feel that we can get results here. He says, it's just hard to take, but it's fine margins. So that little kind of moment that I had with him, and then I was walking out. I was going out with some fresh air, and he was walking beside me, and he kind of gave me a pat in the back, so I patted him back. Mate, he's not just built like a bull. He's built like a statue of a bull. It was solid, like absolutely solid. Lovely, lovely guy, though. And then Brendan's come in. I couldn't, so I didn't want to be like, I don't think he would remember me anyway, but I was sat in the front, and he's come in at the back of the press room to come in, and I thought, I'm not going to look over to try and get his attention, and I look like one of those guys, and he's just shouted when he's come in, do I see a goalkeeper in my midst? Is that you? <laughs> and he's getting right past. he's shooting the hands, and he's just giving me a cuddle. But all these press must be like, who's this guy? Here? Brilliant. <laughs> it was that one of sh- the greatest. Moments I didn't think he'd talk like the St. Rocks, but for the guy to remember me and go out his way, he must have known that I was I felt maybe a bit out of place there. So he really went out his way to make me feel comfortable in the press room, and I'll never ever forget
3: that, mate. I mean, and then he gave you a shout out when he was actually talking, so it was part of the press conference. Uh, top goalkeeper, up, he up, did, up, he called up, you a top up. goalkeeper. And what that's I want to see true. as the weeks go on is I want that quote to appear on your wall behind you. It's, it's got on every
2: poster for every show <laughs> that I've ever been I don't care if she's <laughs> just going to say, top goalkeeper, Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> it,
3: it is tremendous, it really is. And, and by the way, you know, in isolation, as I say, th- this Kyogo incident, I'm not saying that that's a one-off and... and Let's tear it up and start again. We've been talking about refereeing in Scottish football for a long, long time. And this is the the, the moment for me that gives you the opportunity where a player is in danger. And you just think, right, actually this, plus this dossier that the club must have on the poor officiating, it's not good enough. Because I think what we're doing at the moment, despite the transfer window that we're going to come back to, because um, it would appear there's been some diamonds in the rough there. um, I think that you've got a man in charge there who you've just been speaking about, Jerry? who can build Celtic into a, a situation where we do have something youth development-wise that you might not see, well, you won't see immediately, but something in place that will start producing footballers. The recruitment strategy will get that right. The European football, um, you know, the disparity in, in quality that, that that he keeps talking about, that Brennan keeps talking about, will get shorter. And, and um, once that happens, obviously you can come away from a game in Spain having hopefully not been Thumped six nothing. But um there's a few really good points coming in. Michael McDonald says maybe Axom is a very platform to start a petition for the return of the Green Brigade. Um what do you think? Let us know in the comments section. Obviously, the Green Brigade were not at the game at the weekend, and that particular uh, standoff rumbles on. Jungle Lion, it's a pity this board are more concerned about flags than corrupt officials. By the way, you're speaking my language. Th- this is well, what I'm getting only at. Only certain flags. Only, only certain, certain flags. flags. Get. Yeah. And the flag thing, the flag debate really gets me, Jerry. I wrote a blog about it a couple of weeks ago. There there was three occasions that we're aware of that Celtic were were told by the authorities not to fly flags. And the flag in question was the Irish tricolor. And uh, on three occasions, they were up against the first one, Sir Robert Kelly, which was probably the most famous incident that that we go back to. And it actually went to a vote. Uh, and other clubs voted for and against Celtic uh, having the right to fly the flag of Ireland. Unbelievable when you think about it, right? Because, it you, know, you know, we're talking the 1960s here. And, and as John Hughes quite rightly said last week, Rangers voted to allow us to fly it, believe it or not. They actually voted for allow Celtic not, to fly that? it. Yeah. I, yeah, they did. Wow. They did. And we continued yeah. to fly it. Um, and then the, the same argument came up uh, when Desmond White was a chairman of Celtic. He stood up, he did a front page piece in the Celtic view explaining why we were flying the tricolour. And then we were backed into a corner under Fergus McCann in 1994 where we had to move out to Celtic Park and play our football for one season at the National Stadium. And part of the contract was there will be no flying, and this is the exact words, of foreign flags, referring to Ireland, foreign flags. You know, and... We were in a situation then where we had to play a football, Jerry, and that was really the only option, hand in part, and we weren't allowed to fly the tricolour. So I think that you've got to read the room if you're the Celtic board. You've got to read the room and you've got to know your history and uh, your, your approach has to be uh, made with all of that in mind. It seems as though they've just dived in with our size 12s and not considered any of the aforementioned double denim. Here we go. Afternoon all, in an era where we are more aware than ever of conditions such as CTE and uh, concussive-based injuries, referees and authorities, authoritative bodies rather, must stamp out such behaviour, hope Kyogo is okay. This is the concern. It's it's the well-being of one of our players, and regardless of who the player is, Bearded Bobber, Bearded Bobber says nothing will ever change in the Scottish game. Bearded Bobber. If nothing changes in the Scottish game, And I'm talking officials, I'm talking um, the ceiling of Scottish football, Jerry, whereby we can't attract big broadcasters, we can't attract big sponsors. If nothing changes in the Scottish game, as a football club, what do you do? Do you start again to explore other avenues elsewhere? Or do you just sit and say, this is it, you know, we can lord it up, we can win the league, we're we're sitting on piles of cash, everybody's happy, but everybody's not happy with that, are they?
2: No, we're not happy with it. I think we're getting restless as well because we have been winning a lot of triples, a lot of leagues, and now we're at Europe going, right, we're pushing for this. Now we're getting a bit restless. But I think when it comes to the Scottish game, I'm a big believer of pumping more teams into the top league, bring some of them up, bring some of them up, get some more money pumped into their club. It's a long-term plan, but eventually their clubs will have more money. Obviously, if we not doing... it won't work if we're doing this ticket allocation thing still, obviously. It needs to be better ticket allocation. I'm a big believer in more teams in the league by pumping money into them. I've never been a fan... I mean, I think it's probably going to go that way, but I've never been a fan of a breakaway league in Europe. And I'll tell you why. I think the whole romance of the Scottish teams and maybe I just don't like change. I do want a more competitive league. Because, how do you see this route sounding big-headed about it? Winning all the time is great, but having a proper challenge to win is even better. I believe anyway. Obviously, I want to win everything all the time, but I just, it's, the league is stale. We're going back the way. Something needs to change. It has to change because people are just going to lose interest. Our younger, their kids and stuff, they're going to lose interest in our own league. You can see it as well. They're all cutting about with... Do you oh, yeah. Haaland tops and things like that. And it's
3: Absolutely. Well, Jerry, you're right, because if anybody with a kid of a certain age knows that virtually every weekend you're at a party and a lot of their parties are football parties, and you look around and you see the football jerseys on display. And and it is, you know, it's a it's a horrible, horrible kind of message. It's a it's a poor indictment to where we are. Because you then think, well, we could lose a whole generation here. Um, of now I know that you know, guys like myself who come through and it's passed down, the baton will always be passed down, Jerry. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of Scottish football, se- Scottish football is not sexy enough. It's not cool enough. It's not trendy enough mm-hmm. for the kids, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like even like YouTubers who know nothing about football, nothing about football, and they could be YouTubing about just about anything, they jump on the Messi and the Ronaldo train and the Haaland train. They do it. You can see them doing it. Um, prime, prime doing a Barcelona uh, limited edition we're you're drinking that. A, a, few, a few of them yeah a few of them did you like them? listen it's no better than Oasis for me Oasis was a great soft now to you're talking Sunny,
2: yes.
3: Sunny D <laughs> yes if you've not tried it I mean there was quite a few e-numbers in there um, okay round two name something that's not boring
1: a laundry Oh, a book club <gasps>
3: So, for me, again, though, let's talk about Kyogo. Let's talk about his impact because he scores a goal in the 15th minute, Jerry. It's his third chance of the game. Um, There was a stat popped up after 30 minutes where Kyogo had touched the ball five times. If he's touching the ball five times and he scores a goal, I'm happy with that. If he gets three chances and he scores a goal, I'm happy with that. I don't think that's an issue because Kyogo's always been like that. He's always had a lot of chances. Uh, But when when you are counting on him, i.e. the ball breaks, Ibrox and he's 20 yards out and it's a difficult chance, he'll step up. When it when it's against Lazio and there's that passing pass movement and the fluidity of that movement and it lands at the feet of Kyoko because he's supreme movement, he'll take the chance. He's shown this. So that was got a, no concern. By the way, because see when you look at it close, he has to do this little lift
2: of the ball as well in Lazio game just to whip it around the keeper. He's just spectacular. And like, sorry for cutting on you, mate.
3: No, he is spectacular and you can count on him. And it's not about just, you know, the tally. It's not the constant tally. No. And I think that's something of uh, Brendan Rogers' side. When you're looking at um, the the goal tally of, for example, a player he inherited first time round in Lee Griffiths, it wasn't about one player scoring all the goals. Uh, and it doesn't mean you can't have a prolific player because Moussa Dembele scored, I think, 32 goals under Brendan Rodgers. And I'm pretty sure, you know, 25 plus will be the final tally this season. But people are concerned at the fact that he's not as involved in the game. I think that is the point, Jerry. But we are playing a completely different style of football. But what we've seen at the weekend is our two wingers who were tearing it up both left and right and they were firing a lot of service into the box. I don't think we've done enough of that this season, but it was in abundance at the weekend.
2: It, it some of the balls into that box. Palmer, for me, mate... That boy's spectacular. And you can see now he's, he's starting to click and he's really starting to find his stride. That ball in with the outside of the boot was phenomenal. It was... That's so hard to do. I mean, obviously, players like ourselves, Paul John, I mean, we'll we, we be, we be doing that every night in the 7-Aside League. But, <laughs> no, he's... He, do you know, he's got that... He's starting to get a wee bit of a swagger about him as well, which I like. His penalty, I thought, was great. Everyone was saying about the run-up, but he's just so... Out of all the penalties we've seen in a squad for a long time, that was the most assured for me. He's finishing so clean and crisp and he, he's no scared to hit. He's no scared to have a shot. And I love that about him. So I'm really excited about Palmer Yang as well, getting his first goal. And from what I've seen, from what I've seen, so I had to watch like the, the big extended highlights. I couldn't find the catch-up of the game. So anything I've seen, obviously, is, is the good stuff. And I thought Yang stood out, Palmer stood out for me. Uh, and Matt O'Reilly, the assist king. Wow. That one, But he, he's basically fallen over. He's slid and still got it through. You see the camera watching him, right, as, as it's coming through, and he's just like, he's still on the floor going, you know what I mean? Just... I love the boy. Not as much as yourself, Paul Johnson. Don't worry, we're not going to fight over him. But
3: No, I mean, yeah, there is a bit of affection for Matt O'Reilly uh, from these quarters, but it's all football-related, uh, Jerry. It's all about the ability. Um, but when you're speaking about Palma, I think what you said there about the um, there seems to be a confidence flowing through him now. Uh, after the game, I watched with interest Brendan Rodgers' post-match um, interview that he gave, and he spoke about the fact that Palma... You know, when he first came in, it's about finding their feet. And, you know, what he was doing was he was coming inside a lot. It's something we mentioned on here quite a bit. Um, It was like a a one-dimensional thing, which you'll get sussed out pretty quickly. And he says, you know, the full repertoire was on display today. He was inside, he was outside, he was hitting the byline. And then that confidence starts to grow. And the two moments of absolute confidence were definitely that ball with the outside of his boot. That was just delicious. It was delicious, and then the penalty because not only was it a very confidently taken penalty to do that wee shimmy and the wee run up, and then have the moment where he's looked at the the goalie right in the eyes, he's looked right down the goalie, and then he's he's he scored it with, with a plum He scored it with a plumb. Yes. And and for me though, Jerry, I think that he was up to high jinks. The goalkeeper, he was trying to mess about with the penalty spot. Um, I think he was trying to win the mind games. He was doing all that kind of stuff. So if Palmer wants to do his own little bit of uh, theatrics, I'm quite happy with that, right? And it shows that he's grown in confidence. Now, the, the point was made at the weekend, it was a very good point. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he's better than this or he's better than that. But James McKenzie raised the point, it was actually off tape, after the broadcast at halftime, he says, I wonder what Palmer's data looks like at this stage if you were to compare it to what Jota's data looked like at the same stage. Oh. And I found that really interesting. So he's going to be, he's going to dig it all out and he's going to have a look as a, as a kind of like for like head-to-head. Head. Uh, and we might be surprised because, you know, Jota became our superstar from Portugal, but obviously was he as much of an instant hit? I'm not sure. I would love to see the data. James
2: McKenzie digging out the data. Digging out the data, exactly. You can do the voiceover. <laughs> Yes. What I that's I'd be fascinated to see that. Now the past couple of games when we were talking about him coming inside, cutting inside again, it was like there was slight worries coming in going, is this gonna be a hack Ivanovic type situation here? But it's he's he's great at some things, but a lot it's just coming inside, coming inside. But it was we had that a glimpse of it when he put the ball in for James Forrest, you know, when he's managed to get to the outside and take it. And I think it's just confidence growing. Like Brendan saying, he's got so much more to his, his repertoire. Obviously, me having a button Brendan's here at the press conference has helped as well. So let's let's, let's not
3: gloss over that fact. Paul, that cannot on. be underestimated. Um, there is like when Larson,
2: remember when Larson came and trained with the team uh, a yeah. few years ago now, and he was just training with them for for the week. Doing a think helping out with some coaching, and I think we won. Was it eight nil? After Larson
3: had done the training as well. Week,
2: I feel like I was giving those kind of vibes off, but, you know, I've not got my head in
3: myself, mate. No, of course. But, you know, we'd kind of stopped talking about your relationship with Brendan and then it's been reignited after last week when you're sharing a room and not only sharing a room and there was that, you know, that mutual respect thing going on, Jerry, He's called you out for being, and I repeat, what did he call you? A top goalkeeper. A top goalkeeper, Yes. Thanks.
2: I, I, t- I tweeted BEMS because obviously me and BEMS have been having this argument of whose fault it was for the free kicks. I've tweeted BEMS, top goalkeeper, translation, eh, is BEMS's fault for the free kick? And BEMS just wrote, <laughs> We all know Brendan's got away with words, mate.
3: <laughs> oh, no, yeah. you're right. But he, I was think... he was a lovely person. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully you'll have the opportunity again. But when we're talking about Palmer, um, the fact that he's 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 using all of his tricks, he's using all of his tools to use a big corporate kind of phrase. Um I think what's going to be happening now is that he will grow in confidence. You've obviously got, you know, big challenges coming up because you think to yourself, can you step up once you start playing for Celtic? And I felt the same with Hatati and O'Reilly and I was impressed with the performances. Can you do it against Rangers? Can you do it in the Champions League? And these these are the different challenges that they face. Um, but I think he looks as though him, home and Yang, who I also want to talk about, could definitely be three diamonds from that transfer window, which will have been very critical of Jerry on a Celtic state of mind. And I'm not going to say it, sack everything I've already said, because it wasn't the right approach, but from that clutch of players that have come in, it looks as though Brendan has found at least three little gems, hasn't he?
2: Yeah. It's better you got home as well. but forgot about this, this performance yesterday too. Something about home, isn't there? I know you're He's very composed. He's very, very composed. For his age, especially. So yeah. he got a bit of an attitude about him, we know. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more. And I think Yang's definitely got something. Palmer, we know's got it. Um I, I'm really. Do you think like the other ones like Kwan, Tillio, we're going to see more of them as well? Have, have we been too have we been too harsh because there's been injuries, The this, has been stop start. I don't know, probably not, but it would, it would be good. To, uh, to take the three, though, considering like, a few weeks back, we were wondering if we had any I know. If any of them were going to cut the mustard. So uh, it's good. I'm still really looking forward to January because if we're, doing, if we're doing this well just now and it hasn't been Brendan's transfer window and not maybe the players that he needs, I'm really excited for January. You could see in them. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed this with Brendan May's pressers
3: recently. I've not been to any of them mate (laughs) I get like a there's almost like a grit
2: about him he was was very I'm not saying he's not humble because he's the most humble guy you meet but there's this almost an anger when he was talking about the Maida red card Mm -hmm. he's really backing his players really backing the team and he always does back the team but I just feel he's a bit more aggressive in his approach in a good way and he's like he's just not taking any nonsense and I liked that I really did
3: like that. No, uh, there's definitely a difference in uh, Brendan Rodgers since he came back second time round. Um, his approach to communicating with the press, you, you can see it in that, without a doubt. Um, and I think that you know, if we're frustrated watching it, Jerry, he'll be frustrated watching it as well because Europe was something he pinpointed when he came in. Um, and if you would run through the transfer window, I mean, the what was. You know, it was an obligation to buy. He'd already played for a season. We knew he was signing. It was a bit like the, the uh, Dyson a deal uh, the previous year. But if you run through the the signings, I think we've seen enough in home to know at the age of 20 uh, that he is probably a long-term replacement for Callum McGregor. I think he's shown enough at this age. And I made the point at the weekend, a 20-year-old, uh, McGregor hadn't shown this because he hadn't played for Celtic at 20. He was 21 when he made his debut. So I think he's he's got a bit of a head start. He's a bit of a head of the curve is home. And getting his second start for Celtic at the weekend was brilliant. Um, It wasn't one of these standout performances. I think he did his job really, really well. Probably goes under the radar a wee bit, but it just shows you again that there's a confidence uh, that Brendan Rodgers has in the player. Um, Tillio, nobody's seen him, um, and obviously he came with an injury, but he's now fit. He played for the B team in the testimonial against Air United, so we can't pass judgment on him yet. Yang, I want to speak a wee bit more about because I think what he showed at the weekend uh, was the all-round player that he can be. We had seen some flashes, or from Yang, you know, as early as the game against Aberdeen, first time round at Pataudry. Uh, and then he, he seemed to really spark the team into life when he came on as a sub against St Mirren. Uh, but at the weekend, I felt we seen the best performance all round by Yang since he came to the club. And it's given me a bit of food for thought because I was kind of thinking to myself, has he got it? You know, it's great to have a wee trick here and there, but has he got a full performance in him? He came in, he made the impact um, against St. Mirren, but, you know, can he do it from the, the start of the game? And I think he answered all those questions against Aberdeen.
2: Well, right, so I've only seen the highlights. So tell me then, what, what was it? What, what did you notice a bit different about his game? Was it the, the intensity? Was it just the reading
3: of the game? Or well,. Really, it was an all-round performance, Jerry. but the the point that Brendan Rodgers made after the game was that when Yang came in, he thought it was all about the the 1v1, if he can win his 1v1. And what Brendan was trying to explain to him is that, no, there's so much more that you need to do in terms of the team game, Um, make yourself available for for passes, make yourself available to create space and never get the pass, defensive work, all these kind of things. And I think what you saw at the weekend was he was really up for... Um, absolutely roasting their left back every time he got the ball, I mean that's a part of his game that I think is the natural bit but all the other aspects of the game were it, that probably go unnoticed because it's more kind of teamwork, you know creating spaces, pulling defenders away and the defensive work was excellent um, and he got his goal as well, so when you're talking about being galvanised with the confidence and all that he gets his goal um, and, and by the way, when you watch it, it it was really, really well for me anticipated because there's a moment where the defender moves to try and, and anticipate the flight of the ball, but Yang doesn't, and he stays where he is. And because he does that, he's got a bit of a free header. Uh, but it was all about the anticipation and the space. A player who was brilliant at that was Lila Bada. We've missed Abada, and I was kind of thinking that when Neda went out, do we have two wingers who can make the impact? And I'm now looking at the weekend, having seen Yang and Palmer perform so well, and I'm thinking, yeah, we do. And there are no backups now, because Abada on this form of battle will now struggle to get into the start 11 I think Maeda will always be a go-to because of the engine and what he brings but um, these two guys for me have really stepped up Jerry and uh, if you look I'm, at the rest of, sorry. sorry let me put
2: something out there just to set the cat amongst the pigeons just for a laugh and I agree with you Maeda's phenomenal I love him but the first game we're out and we won 6-0
3: <laughs> I, know, I, I know. I remember. Oh, um, uh, someone in the in the comments will remind me the specific game. It was midweek. It was raining, and Scott Brown was out when was he playing, and he wasn't playing. And there was a fluidity. This is under Brendan Rodgers' first time round. There was a real flow about our play. And I remember the conversation afterwards. I think we won six nothing. Actually, I think it was uh, it all. Someone in the comments will remind me because I was thinking. Uh, of but I do remember this. Yeah. And people are saying, oh, maybe we're a better team without Bruni. Because you get so used okay. to having a player who's like a talisman in the team. And then you're not going to drop him. But he's missing. Oh, sorry, that'll be my mic. Oh, you're right, you've just dropped him. He's, <laughs> <more. laughs> <laughs> uh, he's missing and then you perform better. So I'm a big fan of me either and I'm not saying um, that... Marcel, can I just clear him. this up before I get pelters?
2: Because I'm not looking at the comments sections. I don't know if it's lit up with that yet because my head is a touchy subject and I'm not... I love the point. I was just playing devil's advocate
3: there. No, what you need though, Jerry, is you need to have that in every single position in the park. And when we're talking about Greg Taylor, for example, we've not got it. I know that Bernabe came on for his wee runabout, but that's what it was. We don't have that situation where there's somebody breathing down your neck and if your performance level drops by a tiny percentage, you've got somebody who's going to step in. We don't have it. And I think when Hatati's coming back, we hopefully will have it in that area of the park as well, because what's happened there is there's no obvious choice for Hattati's jersey, because there's no one like for like who can step in for Rio Atati. So what the gaffer's done, he's played Paolo Bernardo, he's played David Turnbull, and he's now played Odin Home, The one guy who's not got a start is wata. And, and a lot of comments were saying we'd like to see him. And it looks as though, depending on the opposition, Brendan Rogers will pick the player to play in Awata's position. So we don't have an obvious one for a what maybe, maybe, uh, Hatati, sorry, we don't have an obvious one for him. But maybe a bit of time he comes back, someone will have risen to that challenge, just like Yang has done um, on that side. And and Palma because Palma didn't start the season as a first pick. You know your first picks were Maeda and Abada. So these two guys, I think, are, are shining lights in the transfer window. You throw home in there, but I'm going to have to ask the question, Jerry, where where are Tilio, Gustav Lagerbielk? Novroski, where are these guys because they're fit to play and they're nowhere near the squad
2: it's a, it's a real strange one with them. but then again I think Brendan's done that before like well, we're not talking about this with Turnbull oh he's been out he's not been in the squad for a while then all of a sudden this player will just appear again because it's, I don't know the, the genius of Brendan is it that he's like right he knows how to keep players happy that they aren't going to game at all and then all of a sudden he'll bring them into the fold I think with and the likes of them they look like they're they're going to be off on loan, don't they? Maybe Brendan just doesn't like what he sees. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're away on loan or away permanently. I'd love to see seen getting get around it because it came with so many positive comments from people, especially with the guys on Celtic Down Under as well. They've seen him a lot more than we have. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen him at all. He's so. the, the one with is- Tillyo. Is- Another one that excited me most in pre-season, remember? So it's maybe the Jerry Jinx because I kept going on about that time he kept the ball and remember that ball that he kept in? he yes. goes out and slides and he just contorts his body in a way that shouldn't move and great just, technique, oh.
3: great technique. But the, the, the frustration really? for me is he's a he's a one and a half million pound player and he's not been seen. Kwan as a one million pound player, second tier South Korean football, not being seen. And what frustrates me a wee bit is you think well these these. Players were in the works prior to Brendan coming in, right? Yang as well. I mean, you, you can't take all, all the bad examples. These players were already in the works. The South Korean players, obviously, Gory had O at the club. We had the the game in South Korea. Remember that was cancelled. Oh, Everything crazy. was kind of cleaned up, and it was, you know, yeah. The players have got to be players. Have got to perform, but it's also as a football club was tapping into not only transfer markets but markets you know, when it comes to commercial markets, right? So you've got Yang there and you've got Quan and Brendan. For me, Brendan's looked at Quan and thinks you're just not there. We've seen him in the James uh, the James Forrest testimonial and he didn't perform well. And it's almost as if the gaffers made a decision on him. Marco Tilio we've not seen him playing for the first team, so it's difficult to say. Jared from Celtic Down Under is a big fan. He was raving about Tilio. Has the boy settled, Jerry? You know, let's go back to that human element. Has he settled in the country? As a, you know, is that a big part of it? Is it the state of mind uh, part of it that a lot of the time we don't think about and maybe should? And then we've seen two centre-halves in Noroski and, and Lagerbell coming into the side early in the season and then dropping out. Uh, and I remember some comments that, uh, for example, uh, Brendan made in relation to the defeat against Kilmarnock, uh, And he says, we're a different team now. And you think maybe he's seen weaknesses in certain players that he didn't like and thought to himself, Jerry, you're not going to be part of my plans. Even though the club has paid three million pounds for Lagerberg, four point three for Novroski, a million quid for Kwon, a million and a half for Tilio, if Brandon Rodgers doesn't rate them, he'll not play them because he proved that with the guys Fred, uh, Marvin Compert. He proved it in the past. He'll not play them. Oh,
2: yeah. yeah, and I like that as well because some managers, if you've brought them in for that money, they won't make that decision because I like, have oh, spent money. I'm going to need to keep. It's on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prove so, it. yeah. exactly. Brendan's come in and went,
3: I never spent that money.
2: So, deal with it.
3: <laughs> You're right. You're spot on. It's like um, if someone, if a manager makes the wrong uh, choice of starting 11, very rarely do they change it in the first half. It's just, you know, you, you look at a first-half substitution, right? It doesn't happen that often unless it's an injury or if somebody yeah. gets sent off and you need to make a tactical switch. Very, very rarely does a manager say, you know what, I've got this wrong, I'm going to take you off and I'm going to replace you with him. It doesn't happen, Jerry, because no. managers don't want to say, I'm wrong.
2: And you don't want to piss the player off as well because we're getting hooked in the first half. That's, that's, a, that's a tough one to take for anyone, no matter what. But he did you know it, he did it with Dor- Doris De Viz,
3: remember? Come I up. do
2: remember that, aye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it soon enough? <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs> that was a strange one the Doris De Vries. But do you know what the biggest... Do you know what's confusing me more than anything else about our midfield just now? Why have all of a sudden... He gone from Iwata to Tomoki.
3: We're caught like we're using his first state. Like, have you noticed this? This place. Let's, my let's ask what we'll do, we'll ask Liam on we'll ask Liam tomorrow. Yeah. It's, we, it's been Iwata, we'll Iwata for,
2: for ages yeah. and then all of a
3: sudden it's Tamoki that they put on the squad now. So I'm interested
2: I don't know this is stupid, but that's the thing's that interest me, folks.
3: I'm wondering if we, we did it wrong as a club and it's been picked up is on you, by the Japanese you, contingent you, and, you, and they've right, <laughs> this is aye, was, too polite I to say. Me, there's a guy who's been calling me Colin, right, for about
2: 12 years now, and I just I don't even correct him because it's beyond that point. So I'm just like, he's like, Colin, like, hello pal, how's it going?
3: <laughs> it's Colin Farrow, isn't it? That's what it is, right? Studs. Oh, wow. Before I come to you, Studs, I'm going to bring up uh, Big Red, PJD, and Jerry. Can you please give me your opinion? We're talking about like you know assaults on football parks. Um, on Duncan Ferguson going to jail for a tap on John McStay which we know was wrong and that clattering that clattering yesterday and a guy smelling after it with no red card first of all the Duncan Ferguson thing I'll tell you who the real victim of that was right because I don't think I really don't think the police should get involved unless there, there's something <laughs> happening in relation to you know endangering uh, people not on the football park but maybe on the terrace and etc but you know the whole thing with the the game in nineteen eighty seven when MacAvaney ended up at court, yeah, it was just a it was a madness that should never ever ever happened, You know, going up for breach of the peace and all that, even though he was not guilty, was Maca. Um, but the Duncan Ferguson thing, I think, right? Duncan had a, a rap sheet where if he got done for an assault again, he was going to jail. Should they should they the police have got involved in that? I don't think they should have. But the big victim for me was John McStay because John McStay was treated like a leper after that, Jerry. He was treated like a leper by his football club. Nobody was there for him. And uh, I think that was the the biggest shocker for me was the way that McStay was the guy who was headbutted, right? And he was basically cut adrift as a footballer. There wasn't the support there for him uh, that that you would hope would exist exist now. Um, And his club, remember, who was the manager at the time, Jimmy Nichol, uh, they weren't interested. They were not interested in John McStay, and obviously there the, the was there the was the whole, you know, jailing of Duncan Ferguson and and Duncan Ferguson then blamed the SFA, refused to play for Scotland, and all this kind of stuff. But no, um, I don't think it's right that, that that police get involved in incidents on a football park. Um, however, they should have got involved when a Rangers fan uh, ran on the park to attack Scott Brown at Ibrox. Yep. What actually happened to him is he was just placed back in his seat by the steward. So was he? the, aye, the disparity that, in how to deal with man. scenarios, you know, is, is just mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because it's Scottish football, sometimes you think, ah, it's just the way it is. The underwater cabbage salesman. How are sales? I keep meaning to ask you. It's, how are it's sales?
2: The way, He was on, I'm sure, uh, put in the comments, but were you not in Clain Super Scoreboard recently as well? Oh, was it because there's <laughs> had to be many under because they read it out and I buckle? I was like, oh, that's her pal.
3: Yes. So, uh, was it you?
2: Just jumping um, in for the podcast, aren't you? Using um, us all. Um, all right.
3: you know, Getting <laughs> penalties. Sometimes multiple in games is one thing but no penalties against is astonishing. And again, you know, if you were to look at a heat map, Jerry, of the possession of an attacking team, because let's be honest, Celtic and Rangers attack more than anybody else in Scottish football. And the the possession and the heat map and the percentage is probably the same. Let's be honest, over a season, right? Celtic are probably spending the same amount of time in the 18-yard box as Rangers are throughout an entire campaign. And because of that, it's probably the same at the back as well. So how could you then look at the amount of penalties we concede against the amount of penalties they concede and also penalties for. It doesn't make sense. And that's why we should maybe be looking a wee bit more into it. And somebody makes the point that if it happened anywhere else in the world, people would be... There we go, Perry, I'm going to bring it up. um, In any other sport, such a disparity in statistics would be investigated as potential match-fixing. And it's like, right, okay, if you want to start digging into the officials because our players are being endangered, use that as your leverage. If you think that match-fixing is um, afoot, use that as your leverage. But question them anyway. Um, and we've got John Kane, Canadian boy. Good morning from Brighton, Ontario, Canada. Well, it's Good great morning. to hear. Ah, it's always great. It's great to hear. Studs Lanigan, the question you were asking, did Michael David not present Celtic with an Irish flag? I know that um, Eamon uh, de Valera did. I know that for a fact. There's a great picture, actually. And he presented it, I believe, to Robert Kelly. Uh, Jock team was there. Billy McNeil was there. And uh, there's a great p- picture. And it's probably on the Celtic wiki. Um, and I'm pretty sure over the years, we have flown many versions of that same flag. AR, here we go. Um, if it was classed as accidental head knock, it wouldn't have been booked. So why not? a read then, as it was clearly dangerous. That's the point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And Michael McDonald, you're back in. As long as the money is coming in, the board are content. I sometimes wonder about that. I really do. Um, so, yes, yeah, 6 nothing. I still want to talk about Matt O'Reilly, and I want to talk about Big O, and also David Turnbull. We'll yeah. start off with Turnbull, because Turnbull got a couple of starts, obviously in the absence of Hatati. And if you were just going in terms of goals from Turnbull, he would play. I mean, it's an astonishing um, result when he's the top goal scorer, joint top goal scorer from midfield with such a lack of minutes. Um, I'm not against Turnbull. I, I don't know if people are misinterpreting what I'm saying. I think Turnbull's one of the most talented players we've got. And I keep saying it, if he was playing for another Scottish team, Jerry, we'd be saying, buy that boy for three yeah. and a half million quid. Go and buy him. But as Brendan pointed out with Yang, that bit of your game's great. That wee bit that you're going to get in the showreel, fantastic. But I want more of you. I want defensive play. I want, you know, blocking down attacks. I want all of that. And do we get it from Turnbull enough? That's maybe why he's not the preferred option, Jerry. The big question for me, though, is what does the future hold for the boy? Because I would like to keep him, but I'm being selfish because there's no way he can play every single game. At his age, he probably wants to play every game. So what does the future hold for David Turnbull? This is one of the
2: biggest conundrums. Right, how do I word this without getting into trouble? (laughs) So, see, with Tumble, I I, I want to support every Celtic player and I want him to do well. It's just something about him that I'm finding it hard to... When he comes... See, when he's playing in the games and he scores one of these great goals, brilliant, but I don't ever feel like when we really, really need it... I know he got the opener a couple of weeks ago, but when we need him to come on and get... It doesn't really happen in the big, big high-pressure games. Does it I'm I just be totally wrong? I'll take this is I need to be my this is my honesty here. So yesterday when I'm having to listen to the scores coming in rehearsals. And when I was like, Oh, who scored? And the guy went, tumble. And I wasn't I wasn't as excited if it was like Kyoko or that. And that's a horrible thing to say because he's a Celtic player and I'm wrong for that. So before you start giving me but why was my mindset like that? That's a big telltale sign for me. Why am I not as endeared to Turnbull as I am as every other Celtic player when he's done brilliant at times, he scored some brilliant goals. But I'm frustrated. And when Kev said yesterday, he's like, he's writing the nose down this, that, that, but oh Turnbull didn't do this, didn't do that, and then all of a sudden he just pops up and, and scores. It's like one of your mates, right? It's like he just annoys you all the time and nights out, and you're like, well, Do you know what? I'm just gonna text him tomorrow and say, I don't want to hang about you anymore. And then he sends you a beautiful text <laughs> and you're like, oh, do you know what? I love that guy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> just as you were typing your one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Jerry, here's a, here's a question. Is David Turnbull a victim of modern football and data analysis? Is he a victim of that? Because, see, back in the day, if, if you're just looking at players you'd never watched week in, week out. I used to have this conversation with my old man. I used to say, Jimmy Johnson must have had bad games, right? He must have been rotten. He must have got a stick for the jungle. He must have done. Everybody has bad okay. games. And uh, even when I was talking to players from that era, they said every player got dropped except Billy McNeil. At some point in their Celtic career, every player got dropped except for Billy McNeil. He was the only one that team didn't drop throughout his career. And, you know, so players have bad games. Players have deficiencies. But I guess what you would need as a manager to say, I'm going to overlook all the defensive frailties, the things you don't have in your locker, and I'm I'm going to keep you in because what you do in the park, maybe only two or three people in the park can do it, mm-hmm. you know. Because he is that guy who can pull a rabbit out of the hat, Jerry. When you're up against packed defences, and the one thing you can't defend against is putting one right in the top left-hand corner of the goal, and it's there. It's a to stamp. nobody's stopping it. Turnbull brings that to the party. Very few players do, and I think that's why he's a conundrum. What do you think in the the comment section? Because Jerry and I are in agreement. The guy is a baller. He's a footballer. His he's technique is, you know, incredible. If he was to leave Celtic, I'm sure he will get... An, he'd get an excellent move. But due to the the, the data analysis, he wouldn't get a, a move to a top, top English side, for example. No. I mean, there's no way he would go there. No, because
2: I don't need do data analysis, so I just watch so what I'm watching. I listen to you guys talking about it, or uh, James even he's digging up the data. But I'm not... Um, it's just by watching him, I just don't get excited at, at times until he scored the goal, and <laughs> then I get
3: excited. But I don't know. It's not it's, a conditioning thing, though. It's not as though the guy, he's often called immobile, right? And, and you can see when he gets the ball, he slows things down, Jerry. And under Ange and under, and under Brendan, when we are playing at his high tempo in the attack, And when the ball comes to him, you are looking for that Matt O'Reilly-style pass. You've just got to use the two examples of the European goals against Lazio and Atletico Madrid that Kyogo scores. That high intensity of passing where it's one touch and move, David Turnbull's not that player. You give David Turnbull the ball, he touches it, he turns, he does that wee period, he turns again, he looks for a pass, he plays it. So he slows things down. There's teams out there that Turnbull will be their star man. He will be their star man. And uh, I, you know what? I hope he's got a future at Celtic. I'm just not sure if he does in this particular team. Now, Gordon Coney comes in. Question to both of us. Does Hattati walk back into the midfield or does he have to earn his jersey back? I think when he's fit, he's on the bench, because that, that's probably what Brendan Rogers would do with everybody except Kyle McGregor and the team and maybe vigil And um, If he's fit, he's on the bench. But I don't think we've seen enough from Bernardo Turnbull or home yet, Jerry. To suggest yeah. that Hatati would stay at the team. What do you think? No,
2: if Hatati comes back today, he goes straight back in the team. Ask us this again in a few weeks, once the boys have had a chance to stake the claim themselves for the midfield. But for now, it's like you know, it's like he's changing with with home and then with Bernardo. And then does Brendan see the three of them and go, Do you know what? There isn't much difference between them as players, so I can utilise all of them, I think. But right now, Hitati goes straight into that midfield for me. But then again, who knows what's going to happen because Palmer started doing what he's doing. Yang started doing what he's doing. The Brendan effect seems to seems to be working for a lot of these players now, which is good. And maybe the pressure's off them as well now that they're thinking we're a few more points ahead. Or we're still a few points ahead. I think that thumping we took might be the best thing that happened to us this season, mate. Yes, I see, think otherwise uh,
3: well, well, it's helped if them. If we win our final Champions League games... You know, a 6 nothing defeat is never, ever going to be acceptable. But you look back on it and you'll think to yourself, what did we learn? What did we learn from the game? And that, that you can only take that from it. What did we learn from that 6 nothing game? Now, when you're uh, talking about the likes of Turnbull, I'm going to use Hattati as an example, seeing as that was a play that was brought up there. Let's not forget, Hattati was fit for the first game of the season against Ross County and for the second game against Aberdeen. And Rodgers didn't play him. Why did they not play him? probably for the same reason that he's now playing Turnbull just now. Because there's elements of Rio Atati's game that don't fit with the model that Brendan Rodgers was looking for. Has Rio added those elements to his game? Well, I thought he, he came into uh, a running form there where he was back to his best. He was looking absolutely like he was dominating games. He was orchestrating games. Then he gets the injury. So, you know, he's maybe looking at Hatati thinking, right, there's elements of your game you need to improve. But there's improvement in him, Jerry, And he's maybe looking at Turnbull thinking there's also elements in the game you need to improve, but you might not be able to. I'm not going to say he's not prepared to. He's maybe not able to. He's maybe not mobile yeah. enough yeah. to add those elements to his game. Bearing in mind that injury that Turnbull had, you know, people sometimes gloss over that. That was a career-threatening an injury that he yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was, um, Has that affected his mobility? I've got to admit, I didn't watch him as an 18-year-old in the Motherwell First Team unless... Celtic were playing Motherwell, I would like to know if it has affected them in any way, shape or form, adversely, uh, Jerry. because there's some people in the game who, you know, they can still continue within the game, but they've lost a bit. I mean, I remember Mark Burchell. Mark Burchell's pace was why he was this prodigy when he came into the Celtic site. right? It was his pace. He scored the quickest hat-trick in the history of Celtic Football Club in Europe, young Mark Burchell. Um, and had he had a wee bit more patience I think he could have gone on to become a, a prolific goal scorer for Celtic but he lost a bit of pace through I think it was a knee injury and once you take that element out of Mark Butchell's game he becomes a journeyman footballer who will have a good career and he'll move around different divisions and, and countries etc but he, he never reached that potential that he threatened in his mm, teenage years yeah. the injuries were isn't it Tony Watt esque when it comes to the
2: old Butchel, I remember getting as excited about him as I was about Tony Watt. By the way, I, had, I told you I had a P beside Mark Bertrand at the the game the other day. Are you, daughter,
3: collecting, are you collecting these urinal stories? It becomes, song,
2: it, it becomes like, a magnet. Stephen McManus a couple of weeks ago as well. So I never told you about that one. It's, uh, it's <laughs> a weird one. But, uh, Tyree Burchell's a great player, plays for
3: the women's team. Super. And I'm, I'm guessing it's the first uh, father and daughter who have ever played for Celtic. That for me, obviously the Celtic View podcast has relaunched and some of the interviews have been brilliant and they're obviously they're pulling in um, characters and personalities and stories that already exist within the club. John John Kennedy talking about his injury, for example. Mm-hmm. You've got a guy with Harry Cool's experience that you can draw a one hour interview from no sweat. How good would that be? Mark Butchell and Tyree Butchell. There's an interview. You're right I'm, I'm in a message. I'm going to Next time you're out of your you know, just pitch that one, all right? I'll just, uh, <laughs> wasn't it the best time to ask him, you know? By the way, Mark Burchill had agreed to play in that game, but he was injured, believe it or not, the game you oh, played kidding. So we, Burchell would have played in that. This next um,
2: one, you're, the team for the next one, by the way, is going to be a belter. Pierre,
3: Pierre George now, Cadet, John and, Collins, they're all playing. Jackie okay. McNamara was raging, you hadn't asked him. He was play. actually, aye. Did was, you was, notice he that? He's feeling bit a little bit bad for that. Ian Laurie, why can't you play teams twice and also have a proper relegation and promotion playoffs The uh, the moment is a joke? At the moment, I would say that um, the one thing holding that back, Ian, is any broadcast deal that you now get, we've painted ourselves into a corner Scottish football, any broadcast deal that you get is going to have to guarantee four games against Rangers. This is a yeah. problem. And by the way, you end up more often than not playing them in a cup, at least one cup anyway, so you get another game. But yeah, I agree with you. I think that you need two bigger leagues in Scotland, and everything else is played regionally. Because once you get out of the two, the top two leagues be that twelve, fourteen, whatever the decision would be, then you're getting into the the you know part time football basically. So you know, even travelling is a problem for a lot of these teams, Jerry. You know, yeah. when you're in the third and the fourth tier of Scottish football and beyond, therefore you play regional football out with the top two divisions. But Scottish football is stuck in a rut in that respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, well supported. Uh, massive massive success for Celtic but in terms of progression in Europe it's going to be very difficult for us to do that whilst we're playing in this particular league now Jerry Taylor there's loads more to talk about there's a couple of wee shout outs before we go and um, we've got two gigs coming up and the reason I'm saying it is uh, the first one coming up next month is Johan Mialbe and the ticket link is underneath this video we have changed the venue that is now going to be at Gracie's in Candle Rigs, in Glasgow. It's a venue we've used before. We had some great nights in there with Alan Thompson and Peter Grant, Jackie McNamara, Brian McClure, Tom Boyd. Brilliant nights in Gracie's. The staff are absolutely top class. So the Meowby gig next month is now going to be in Gracie's. It's seven days before Christmas, so it can be a Christmas night out. That's how I'm pitching it anyway. And then January, Jerry, I decided let's go up a, a couple of notches when it comes to the size of venue. and. Uh, our very dear friend Colin Watt. He um, said to me, "Why not come to Greenock and the Beacon Arts Centre? Beautiful theatre, brilliant venue, right up yeah, your street, Jerry, right up your street." Yeah. Yep. And I was thinking, oh, five hundred seats, axon gig. Anyway, we we did it. It's an ambitious it's an ambitious event. But Martin O'Neill is going to be the special guest. I'm going to be hosting the night. There's going to be big visuals on the screen loads to look forward to, Paul Sheridan giving you the live music, it is a different experience this time round and I've got to say we've sold over 350 tickets for the gig already, it's in January Christmas present get the tickets bought if you want to come along and you might even meet some of the Axom squad as well, milling about doing the oh, thing, yeah. you'll be oh, there yeah. I can't ticket link. link under the video. We we keep all our content free. We will continue to do that. We'll stream every single day. We cover every single match. We do the Wonder Room Paradise. We do interviews. So we've got the interview with Pierre and George and John Collins coming up very, very soon before Wednesday. Oh, I promise. Right. And uh, we'll be doing a similar thing with Johan when he comes to Glasgow next month. So we're going to keep all the content free. But if you want to come along and see us, obviously we keep the ticket prices as affordable as possible. Um, ticket link underneath the video. It's been a busy one. Jerry Taylor, who knows what the next week has in store for yourself or Celtic. Um, Let's hope there's a resolution to the Green Brigade argument which is raging on between the board and the Ultra fan group. And let's hope that uh, all the players who are on international duty come back unscathed. Thank you, every single one of you, for getting involved in the chat. And thank you to Jerry Taylor for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind.
2: Network.
0: plus.